Welcome back to Brunch Talks with Mandy Rose. I hope you got your mimosas ready for some good conversation. Join us this week as we talk about some social issues, highlight women, and what's brunch without some cheese wine. Pop those bottles and enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Brunch Talks with Mandy Rose. Today I have with us Danea Maya. She is a commissioner for the city of Covina. I brought her on so she can talk a little bit about politics, how she got into politics, and also being a Latina representing in the politic community. Um, I thought she'd share some really good information, anybody who's interested in that side of things and doesn't know how to get involved, um, and also just to hear her story about it. Um, So first, Danea, thanks for coming on with us. I'm really happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. Like Amanda said, my name is Danae Maya. Um, I currently serve for the city of Covina, and I'm just very honored to be a part of her platform and her podcast. So thank you for having me. Awesome. Yes, I'm excited to have you here too. Um, first, if you want to start, maybe we can give the listeners a little bit of background on you, um, you know, how you got into politics, just stuff about you so they can get to know you a little better. Yeah, sounds great. So my name is Danae Maya. I'm currently a commissioner for the city of Covina. Um, I'm a very proud Latina. My Latin roots hail from Zacatecas, and my mom immigrated to this country years ago, and I became the first in my family to go to college and graduate. I went to Arizona State University, where I studied criminal justice and criminology and justice studies, and ended up being in the line of public service. Um, I worked for the Los Angeles mayor's office for about um, a year to two years, and then also I worked for an LA city councilman for a year and left the city of Los Angeles after three years and decided to run for office myself. And it was definitely a very trying time, but a wonderful experience. And now I'm venturing off into um, continuing my service for my community. Okay, so you served for the city of Los Angeles, you said for work for the city of Los Angeles for a while. Um, were you actually originally from Covina? Is that what made you come back here to run? Yes, so I was recently raised in Covina my entire life. And it was an interesting process. I went to college out of state to gain my own independence, to really learn what it was to be on my own and be able to just focus on school fully. And I originally, I thought I was going to stay in Arizona because I liked the people that I met, the friends that I met, the connections, the colleagues and all of that. And just the experience that I had overall was, was very positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my parents were like, we miss you. We want you to come back home. And and I was a little reluctant, but I'm glad I did because I ended up finding like my people here, like my roots, my incredible partner, my family is here. And it definitely worked out the way it was supposed to. And when I came back from college, I really thought I was going to go into law school. That was my, my focus for a really long time. And I kept studying, kept studying. And for some reason, it wasn't clicking for me. And mm. I felt like I knew I wanted to serve people. I just didn't know which route was going to be the best for me. And I ended up interning for the mayor's office in 2017 after I graduated from college. And I think that's where I really found like my niche and like where I'm supposed to be. And I also realized that I'm a very impatient person for really great things. So my, um, I was a little worried about going to school for three years for law school because I felt like I wasn't gonna have that personal connection yeah. with my community. And yeah, so that's where my public service um, career took off. and. That's where I personally think where I'm supposed to be and where I'm better to uh, serve the people around me. Got it. Okay. So I feel like with a lot of, I would even say like Latinas, but just people in general, a lot of times like you go to school for one thing and think like, oh, you're going to do this. And then 
you realize like, wait, how am I going to do that? Or like, it just doesn't click. And I went through that too. And it just, it took me a very long time to find like the classes that clicked with me. And then once it did, I was like, this is it. I don't know why I've been missing it. Why I didn't think about it, but I mean, that's great that you found it. And then, so how did you get the, into like interning for the mayor? I feel like that sounds pretty big, like to be involved in. Yeah. I have two mutual friends, mutual colleagues that were currently working there. And mm-hmm. I them prior to it, prior to getting to the city of LA. And I remember, um, I heard of the opportunity and I jumped on it so quick and they told me, Hey, come in for an interview. And I did it. And I ended up getting an internship. Another funny story about the city of LA is that once I was there, I was interning for about four months and I was very adamant about getting a job. I was like, you know what? Like I, I was working like 10, 11 hour days interning. Obviously it's an unpaid internship. Yeah. And at some point I was like, okay, well, I need to pay my bills. Like I need to, <laughs> I need to live. Like, I need a job. So, and mm-hmm. I wanted to put my degree to work, you know, all the hard work that I did for the last four years. Um, I wanted to be able to apply it. So I was very like consistent about asking and applying. And there was one opportunity and I walked through the doors of my internship and they asked me like, Hey, like there's this job opportunity. Like you want it? I was like, heck yeah, I do. And they're like, okay, you have an interview right now. I was like, what's the actual oh, man. where I'm going to work for? Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, so I had no time to prepare. I had no resume on me, no references, nothing. I just walked upstairs, entered the interview said what I had to say. And I was honest about it. I was like, Hey, I was told about this interview three minutes ago, but I'm going to mm-hmm. give you the best that I got. And I'm going to, and hopefully it's good enough. And I ended up getting the job. I but feel like it, they probably wanted you for that job. If they were <laughs> like, you know, they didn't know me though. Oh, was, okay. Was, it was a different office. So I was oh. in the mayor's office of public engagement. And then the second or the office that I was actually applying to work for was the mayor's office of public safety. So oh, I, okay. It was a different office. I knew that they probably knew mutual people within like the whole administration, but I had never met these people before. So when I interned, it was like a complete surprise that I actually got the job because I was not expecting it with very little preparation. That's awesome though. Like you can just go at it on the spot. I try. I was very honest. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do the best that I can. Like I'm nervous. Like I, but you have to go for it. I, I knew that I had to just jump in and dive in and if it was meant for me, it would happen. And luckily it did because I gained some really great experience in my job. That's good. So you were only interning before that you said for four months. So that's pretty fast that you got to like move up there. Yeah. I mean, I was dedicating like every day to this internship and I was trying to balance it between studying for law school too. But in the, in the first couple months, I was really like just 11, 10 hour days, 15 hour days. We were volunteering for like events and just doing above and beyond, like above what our internship required. And mm-hmm. I think what probably they saw was my, um, I guess my tenacity and also just my willingness to go out there and just be able to help in any way that I can to gain that experience. Mm -hmm. It is hard for um, new college grads to get jobs because we don't have that experience that we need to be able to move up in that ladder. And I think that's why I took so much time in the internship was to gain that experience, even if it was unpaid. That's awesome. Um, Speaking of like being like a new college grad and all that stuff, did you find, because you are when I ran into like uh, your profile and everything and like read about you and whatever, I was like, oh, she's on top of being like a Latina. She's also very young to have like all of this already like, you know, accomplished on her resume. Did you find like that was also a thing? Like, were you one of the youngest possibly in that whole like office setting there? Oh my God. Yeah, I was the youngest employee in my office. 
and I was managing the workload of um, our deputy mayor. So I was organizing all of his like just day-to-day -day, um, operations and all the responsibilities of the whole office. There's about 60 employees there. Ooh. And I was managing just the, the logistics and everything that was going on. But I was definitely the youngest there. And, and um, that's something that I run across a lot is that I'm a lot of the times I'm the youngest one in the room and mm. I kind of become comfortable with it. But then there are times when people make <laughs> interesting comments. comments about me and um, I try not to think too much about it or try not to pay attention to it. Because if I did, I definitely wouldn't be able to accomplish all the things that I've done to this point. So Yeah, um, it's, I'm quite older than you, but I get a lot. I've I have people tell me I look about like 10 years younger than what I am, which is a great thing, whatever. I'm not complaining, but like I started a new job about a year or so ago and everybody I swear thought it was like around like 24, 25. And they're like, oh, you're so young. You don't know. And I was like, it's a thing that you have to deal with and they don't realize. And it's just some people in a way, it's almost like they're putting you down for being so young. Like they don't think you have enough experience, know what you're talking about. I would look at them and I'd be like, dude, you obviously don't know my age. My first job, I was there for 15 years. So let's not go there. But for you, like, how did you start to, I don't want to say accept that type of thing, but you said now that now you realize like a lot of times you are the youngest in the room. How did you start to feel comfortable with that? So other, if there's other girls out there that are in their industry, possibly the youngest too, maybe they're not feeling comfortable enough yet to go into that room and start to have conversations like what helped you feel comfortable with that? So I'm very transparent. I'm not going to tell you that I'm over it completely because I definitely am not. Um, I still struggle with it daily about uh, having that self-confidence and that um, just self-worth in the fact that like, even though I'm young, like I still have a right to be in the places that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And I think I would say the biggest growth that I've had was during my campaign when I ran for the Community Valley Unified School District Board of Education. And I was going door to door, me and my partner, he's like my best friend, my boyfriend, side by side. We we're like door knocking um, thousands of doors, thousands of residents. And I have, I got so much interesting feedback where um, I didn't even get a chance to introduce myself, but they're like, oh my God, like, I, at least I said, oh, I'm running for this. And they go, oh, you're too young to run for that. Like, oh, like, you don't know what you're doing. And I'm like, I didn't even get to tell you what I'm about. <laughs> I was like, okay. And like, it just... I ran into that so often and I think that was very discouraging, but when I saw like what impact our campaign had on our community, like that was reassurance for me that even though you're young, you can still make a great difference in where you come from. Mm -hmm. And that's what gives me, uh, that's what like motivates me and gives me like that encouragement that I need to continue um, because I mean, there is more negative comments there on COVID than positive comments during this process. And um, I would say for those girls that are going through this, like obviously we're those bright minds right now. And I think that we have to just lean into the people that are around us that do care about us and do understand our vision and are fighting with us. I think if we focus too much on the negative, it could be definitely wearing on us mentally and physically. So I would say just continue to believe in yourself and your vision and whatever's meant to be will happen just continue to do that hard work and put in the work so that people that doubt you won't be able to say that for too long because when right. you're doing work and making it happen there's nothing they can say 
That's awesome. I can only imagine just because I know the demographics of Kalina, like what some of those people, like some of the older residents that say probably <laughs> opened the door and were like, um, excuse me. Yeah, uh, I even, uh, organized a food drive for the holidays um, for families experiencing just a lot of hardships during this pandemic. And we were raised or we gathered so much food. It, it literally filled an entire like banquet room with just tons of cans of food and, and dried goods and things like that. And I organized this with Project 2911. We made it happen. And I had one resident come up to me that came to donate food and was like, oh, so do you just volunteer for the city? I was like, oh no, like I was appointed by our city council. Like I'm a commissioner here. She's like, wow, you're too young to do that. She's like, I'm like, and I'm like, I wasn't too young to organize this food drive that you came to. I was like, so I, I'm pretty sure that I'm qualified to be in this position. And yeah. it just doesn't matter what you do, to be honest. You can be doing a great thing that people are participating in and they still have something to say. Mm -hmm. There think. always will be something. Somebody has to say, you can't appease everyone. Learn exactly. that too. Um, <laughs> okay, so you brought up that you ran for the education board what was it again you school district okay so what inspired you to do that and how was that whole process because it was your first time running right yes uh, so my first time running for a public seat um but my second time running for a position so okay. the in that march so 2020 was a very trying time because of the whole pandemic but it was mm -hmm. a very uh, special time within my career so in March 2020, I was on the presidential primary ballot when I was running for um, the Los Angeles County Democratic Party, their central committee. So basically, it's uh, there are 12 candidates running for a seven person seat. And it was pretty competitive at the time. And I had ran and actually won a seat on there and I got the highest votes in Covina. So it was nice. a, very, a very awesome experience. But it, I... I definitely learned a lot during that time. So it prepared me somewhat for my second time running and my actual full-blown campaign. But um, there were a lot of challenges in my campaign running for school board. And I would say that it was a very great experience in the fact that I got to run in the community that I grew up in. And I went to the schools in Covina Valley, which is why I was so passionate about running was because I attended Mark Allen Elementary when it was open, Los Palmas Middle School, Northview High School. And like, this is where I grew up. My best friends are from here. My family went to these schools too. My partner went to school with me. And it's just, this is, was very personal to me, which is why I felt that I was the best candidate for this job because I was the only candidate to, that went through our school system. Oh, and, that's awesome. Yeah. So it was a very, um, very special position to be running for. And even the teachers that I went to that taught me at these schools were supporting me during this process. And I was able to talk to them to really get to know what our students and our teachers and our schools really needed. So it was a really great process just to reconnect with the people that really gave me my start and molded me into who I am today. Um, but it was also challenging because I was a woman of color, 24 years old at the time running for this position. And I had to um, basically prove to everyone that I was good enough to be in this role. Yeah. And um, we worked extremely hard. We were able to cultivate a entire volunteer and internship program for um, our campaign. So we had students from Northview High School, Covina High School, La Puente High School, like just 
high schools in the area, there are students and also college students mm. that were able to join us in this political process, phone bank with us, canvas with us, door knock with us, um, engage on like social media events online. We literally did everything like mail pieces, texting, calling, like any type of outreach, we did it. And we were out there like every single weekend, even when it was hot and we we're sweating and knocking on doors. It was hot some of those days too. Yeah, it absolutely was. And there's no way I could have even been a competitor without all of the volunteers and interns and my family and, and everyone that was a part of it uh, to get to the point of November. Mm-hmm. And it was challenging because we were bringing this like really new look to what politics looked like. We made like campaign videos and that wasn't really done for a city like Covina, especially a school board race. Mm-hmm. I definitely do think that we, we brought the stakes higher because our competitors were, were modeling or doing what we were doing. Like we were the model for them. And I think yeah. that was really special because, because everyone doubted us, but the fact that we were like paving the way through this process was incredibly special. Um, unfortunately, the election did not go our way. It was very hard to accept, but we did lose. And it was, that those are the times where I could have let myself doubt and my loss really define who I was. Mm-hmm. But seeing all the people that we got together to care about their community, to care about politics, to care about making a difference in where they come from was my win. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter that we lost. Seeing all of that gained the confidence in me to think that, you know what, we can really bring a group of big group people together to be able to care about what really matters in our community. And um, yeah, that was the best part of this entire process. That's good. I, I love that you still have like a positive outlook on everything that you did, even though it didn't necessarily go your full way that you wanted it to go completely. Um, do you plan to run for something again? I won't say anything specific or anything, but do you just, in the future, do you want to run again for something? In the future, yes. So I have some colleagues in the area or just some people that I know are just like ready for 2022, which is like the next election. And I'm like, I'm still getting over 2020. (laughs) I can't even like think that far ahead. And, and what I'm noticing is that I'm very much about quality rather than quantity Mm -hmm. at this point, because I really saw a quality campaign, like the best that I've seen in this, in our region for a while. And I'm still like staying true to that. And I really want to be able to serve our community in the best way that I can. Um, my position for the for the Parks and Recreation Commission and Library Board of Trustees for Covina, I have uh, a four-year term. So I'll okay. be serving the community for the next four years. Okay. So, and that's where my, um, my heart lies at. But as far as like um, job opportunities and running for office, like that is definitely on my radar. But running for office again, it's going to be in the next, it's going to be in the... Um, I want to say far future, but it's going to be probably in a couple years from now. I do want to give myself time to reflect some more and be able to um, know what my next passion is because school board and education does mean a lot to me because I was the first in my family to go to college. And I know how much I struggled during that process to even get to college and then be able to thrive in college. So that's why I was so passionate about running for this position. And I do have a lot of other passions for other um, very pressing issues. We'll have to see what that next venture brings you. I'm sure you'll (laughs) find, I'm sure whatever you get into is going to be amazing. Just the fact that you're able to do all this 
at your age and like you said you like when you were talking about all the volunteers you brought from not just Covina school district but all the surrounding and I know not everyone that listens is from around here but just to give you guys some sort of a visual Covina is the city that's actually next to me because I'm in West Covina but the other schools that she named were cities that were like further out like we're all semi-connected we play each other in the district everything like that but she brought in people that weren't just from like her own thing she brought in kids from districts that might have been, you know, 10, 15 minutes away. Um, but I've never seen that done personally, even in my district, because I'm gonna be honest with you in West Covina, like I see the signs of people who run for stuff, but I don't think anybody's ever came to our door, like yeah. for anything. And it's always the same people over and over and over, like some of the names I've seen since I've been in high school. And I'm just like, but I really don't know much about what they honestly do and that could also be my fault not looking them super up you know what I mean but at the same time like they don't put it out there exactly what they do this past election though there was a guy oh I can't remember his name he did have say it again Brian did he have a Latino last name uh I'm not sure it was a guy that had a Latino last name and I know he caught my attention only because his marketing or like his advertising (laughs) was done where it was very colorful and it reminded me of like a Mexican restaurant. And at first I was like, is that a new restaurant opening up? Cause I kept seeing the signs like everywhere. Mm-hmm. And even my neighbor too, who she's actually, she knows a lot more about like the local, all the people that serve and everything. And she's like, you know, I've been looking at that name and his name is everywhere, but I love his marketing scheme because it's just so colorful and it like brings you uh, in. Brian Tabak. I can't I always have a hard time pronouncing this I think that's the person Mm -hmm. he um, he won his seat yeah he's a council member now for West Virginia okay so his whatever his little plan was yeah it was (laughs) but it was like you're saying it was a fresh it was different Mm -hmm. and I'm not in the school system anymore and I don't have kids in the school system anymore not that I shouldn't care but it might be the one that's like second or third on my list of like you know what's really going on Um, But he caught my eye and I actually was like, oh, okay, let me look into this guy. So, you know, doing like a whole new, like young look at something. Yeah, it's going to possibly scare the older people. But then there's everybody that's coming up that's young now in our community where they might want a fresh new look. And that's you like. And and I think that was so like great about our campaign that we were very social media focused too. So we were able to really gain the attraction of young people during this process. And we heard that so many times from so many residents saying that we've never had anybody come to our door. And that was, even through a pandemic, we made that happen. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what made our campaign so special that it was very personalized. Everything that we did, we didn't hire someone to do this work. We did it. Like I was one, me and my team and campaign managers, like everyone that was there, like we were the ones behind the screens, making the graphics, like making the yard signs, making the mail pieces, like it was, all of our personal touches on there. And that's why it made it so incredible during this process, but so hard when we lost because we know how much effort we've put into this and and how different we tried to make it. Like as far as like our branding, like we wanted to make it, not everyone had red, white, and blue. That was like the thing. And I'm like, no, like I want to do purple and like yellow because I mean, purple means a lot to me because my grandma, like we had this thing when we were little and it was my favorite color. Mm -hmm. But also purple is a combination of red and blue and that's a democratic and republican party so it's like i wanted to make it clear that we don't have like one party it's a nonpartisan race so there's not one party that's going to win this like 
Mm-hmm. It has to be all of us coming together to be able to make a great school system for our kids. And like, there was just so much like meaning behind everything. And yeah. And I, I think we did such a great job as, as using social media and like having just, we, we raised a thousand two hundred dollars on social media, just resharing posts for people to awesome. donate $5, $5, $10 here and there. And mm-hmm. everyone was very like genuinely interested. And now like, they tell me all the time, like, what's your next move? And I'm like, I'm like, my next time's coming soon. I just, I'm taking time to really yeah. soak all this in. Cause I don't. Well, you, from what it sounds like everything you do, you do it with passion. So just yeah. like you said, you're not going to want to just jump into a project and give it 50% of what you have. Like whatever you do next, you want to give it your all. So yeah, take your time till you're, till you're ready. And you know exactly what like you want to focus on. Um, the other thing I did want to ask you was, and you kind of touched on it a little bit. So on top of being young, you're also a Latina, a person of color. Um, how, what, like, did you, was that something that also inspired you to jump into it? Because even for me, when I go to these ballots and I look, you know, I'm always interested, like, to see the Latina names or Latino, Latina names, how many we have. And there's not, I mean, in California, I think we probably have more than other states that represent. But if we just look at the overall picture of politics overall, I'm going to say women of color specifically, there's not a lot that you can look up to if you're a little girl that, you know, is something you're interested in. So was that important for you to also be like, this is something I want to represent because I didn't see it as much when I was a child too. Absolutely. So I, I have no one in my family that's been in a part of politics or has gone in public service. I'm the first in my family to ever to go to college. So that was, that was kind of like my, I don't know, the sparkling moment in my life for a while. Mm -hmm. Oh, I did this. Like I'm very proud of it, but I didn't have like role models in my life besides my mom, who's a very strong woman, but a role model that has been in the shoes that I want to be in. Mm-hmm. And I was always searching for a mentor or do my best to kind of just collaborate with other people. But I really didn't think that I could run for office until I saw um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, mm-hmm. um, congresswoman for um, her district in New York. And that was kind of the shining moment for me with like, okay, well, she can do it. I can do it too. And that's kind of where I started to think more about it. So 2018 to now is when I started to take that thought more seriously and also to, yeah, across the country, there's lack of res- lack of representation in these political roles. And luckily on our school board, we have uh, diversity um, and on our council too. Um, but I think that you can also be Latina, but have different policy ideas, you know? Mm-hmm. So I really did think that even though we had some Latinos and Latinas on our school board, I think that there was a lot that I had to offer as someone that actually went through the school district, was a student in the same classrooms as our students today, and mm-hmm. also um, grew up here, and also a woman of color. Um, but I do think that there is a lack of representation across our country, and I encourage anyone that wants to run for office to do it because we need more like-minded people to be able to represent our community um, as best as they can. And yeah. being from the communities is even better because you know what it's like because you've actually lived it. So that's why this entire process was very special for me because I was seeing flashbacks of my own childhood. Like I, we went to, um, we had one of our organizing like canvassing events at Kamina Park and that was the um, 
first time that I had joined like a sports program. I was like four years old and I played soccer. And oh, I played soccer there too. You? <laughs> yeah. So that's, that was like my first like involvement in Covina when I was four. And it's so special now because I'm a parks and recreation commissioner. So we are the ones that advise the soccer programs for mm. the city. So it's like how, like my life came in full circle. Like I literally played at this field, um, developed my love for soccer at Camina Park and they ended up serving now like being able to oversee programs like that for our city. That's awesome. It's, did you, did, I this is a little off subject, subject, but did you play soccer like all through like up to high school and everything? I played on North too. Yeah, I played uh, my whole life until I was four and Kat was not Same here, I, except for I did not play for my school and I'll tell you why. Those <laughs> girls were really catty in there so when I went to like the first tryout like freshman year I just did not like the vibe so I ended up just playing for like the West Covina league it was like I think I did co-ed like yeah I think I did co-ed for like my high school career like just with the regular West Covina league I don't know I just didn't like the high school like dynamic of it it was just it was overwhelming I made varsity my freshman year and I remember being super intimidated I was playing with seniors and I was like oh my gosh I don't even think I'm good enough to be here and like it was just like a whole thing but I understand it's it's high school in general is a yeah <laughs> yeah for sure that's funny but yeah no I totally played soccer at Covino Park that's usually when I was younger where I think I played most of the time so that's really funny that we both did that yeah I love that <laughs> So since you work for the city and everything I've always kind of wondered myself because I tried to reach out one time to my city to do um, I don't know if you've seen them, but they're like, they're small libraries where people just put up these little, I always do hand motions when I'm doing podcasts and nobody can see, um, but they put up these little like independent libraries that hold maybe like little five books. It's kind of like a little box that people put in their yards. So I was trying to reach out to the city to see like, do I need approval for that? How would I go around doing it? I don't know who I emailed. I emailed a couple of people, never heard back from them. So how does a person in a regular community, not even just our city, how do they, who, where would you recommend they look to like get information for that or reach out to if there's people out there with ideas for their city, but they don't know where to go? Cause that's where I feel like I faced that thing. So I'm sure there's other people out there that don't necessarily know where to go when they want to come up with this idea for the community to try to help and change. Yeah. So I would give two answers for this. Um, so like the generic answer everyone gives like, oh, look on the city website, they have information or mm-hmm. call the number. Like, so in, in your instance, because it's library related and I'm a library trustee, like I would wanna know this is a really cool idea. And let's say you and I talked and you told me about it, I would personally reach out to my director and say, hey, um, this is something we can do kind of thing. And because as a trustee or commissioner, you're the liaison between the community and the city. So that's okay. kind of your job is to be able to um, connect with both and be able to bring them together. So I would say the generic guests look on the website, find the number, call, email, or some advice that I like to do is contact and find out who's on your commission. So that is public information, finding mm-hmm. who's on your commissions and on the boards of the issue that you um, are concerned about. And I mean, maybe this isn't protocol, I'm not protocol, but maybe some people don't like this, but I personally like it. If you have a problem or you have a concern about like the commissions that I sit on, I would like you to contact me directly. So there's a lot of people that I know that are friends or just people in my community that DM me directly on Instagram or Facebook, um, or they figure out like my email and stuff online and they contact me directly 
And then that allows me to know the information and be able to bring it up to the attention of um, our department when we have our meetings. So I think that's a good way is to actually contact the people directly on your commission. And like, let's say the city of Covina, you go on the city, city of Covina website, you go under Parks and Recreation Commission and my name's on there. And it tells you like how long my term is. And you would know, oh, Denise's on there. I'm going to find her on whatever platform she uses and tell her, hey, there's this, I don't know, situation, like, do you think I can help? And I can serve as a liaison to be able to um, either connect you with the department or give you that answer. Because there is information that we know um, mm. that we can help in those situations. Okay. So, yeah, that's good to know. Because I think I did, I did the city route. And mm -hmm. I think I might have emailed, like, the main city contact like on there I can't think of the name right now yeah, but I'm sure they get a lot of inquiries too which is why yeah. it kind of gets lost in that yeah and I don't I highly don't doubt that at all too mm -hmm. I I think I just picked might have picked like that name and then maybe another one that I was just like I'm just gonna mail this to a couple people and see if anybody emails me back and not uh, this is not me talking bad about anything I'm just saying know. obviously if you know that and for if I would have known that information, I would have probably went and looked for West Covina's yeah. um, commissioner and tried to get a hold of that person, and maybe it would have went a little further. But that's great to know because I feel like there there's always people out there with ideas and they just don't know where to start. And when it comes to the city, yes, it gets like so political, but mm -hmm. you can't just go out there and just do anything. Like you have to have, you know, yeah. you got to make sure you have either the right permits or whatever it is you're trying to do. And a lot of that stuff can be intimidating to people, especially if it's like a younger person too that doesn't know the steps. And I feel like a lot of people don't do certain things because it's so intimidating. So I think that's great that you're sharing information because if anybody's out there trying to figure out how to do something, some great steps to take. And I would also um, say like for certain, so for certain cities, they have different commissions and different like boards. Mm -hmm. So there's a possibility that West Covina probably doesn't have a library board. So that's where it also could become like very like discouraging and frustrating because it's okay well there's no direct like contact to that so i would also say like my my preference would be that elected officials around uh, whatever our region area the country are more transparent and more open to that like to be able to um, accept input and ideas because that's how our, we that's how our community grows right and that's what our job is like as either appointed officials like myself or elected officials or public servants in general like your job is to serve a community that's your main job and i wish that it was advertised more that you should contact your elected officials directly because that's the best way of communicating you know if you're contacting a line that gets inquiries all the time it's hard to keep track of that like public service is is a great line to be in, but it's very overwhelming at times too, because there's so much. So it's like, if you are, get to know your elected officials too, like your council members, like Brian is a really great council member. He just got elected, like getting to know him. He's very transparent and very like open to talking with his constituents. And that's like the kind of leadership that we need. And mm -hmm. I would say if we weren't in COVID times during the pandemic, I would say go to your um, like community events and meet your, your elected officials, you know, because they get to know you and they know who you are and when things like this come up, like they know exactly uh, how to help you. So I would say, hopefully when we do have the ability to have events in person, just to get to know the administration of your city and um, you'll be able to um, figure out how to navigate through those channels and they can best help you see who the best person is to talk to. That's awesome. That's great advice. Thanks. And then wanted to ask you, what advice would you give 
to a young woman of color who is possibly interested in going into a field like you, what advice would you give them? What, what do they need to focus on? If, you know, maybe they're super young or maybe they're in college right now. Like, what would you tell them, like, focus on and just the best advice overall for them if they want to get into the public service field? I would say, first off, do it. <laughs> do not let um, other people tell you that it's not the right path for you, especially if that's what you envision for yourself. I was actually talking to a colleague the other day and she's also young and she went to a really prestigious school like UCLA and like just all she's very smart and went through all these like different like experiences like work-wise in her career and there are people trying to tell her like oh don't do this don't do that and then she's like no but like I want to do that like that's what my path is and I think that a lot of um older adults like to tell young people that they can't do certain things so my first thing my first advice would be if you feel in your heart that it's your passion and it's what you're meant to do, do it. Do not let anybody else tell you, even if it's a hard path, even if it's going to be challenging to get there. If it's what you feel is your calling, do it 100%. And there are going to be times where you fall, but you have to get back up. And I think that's what I learned. The, the biggest lesson I learned in this loss for me was how to get back up. I was mm -hmm. so, I'm not going to lie. I was very down for a long time and I felt like I, that this wasn't going to be for me anymore. And that this would, and, but I always felt like, okay, well, helping people is my calling. Like that hasn't changed, whether it would be going to law school or being a public servant or running for office. Like the bottom line is that I want to help people and that's what I'm meant to do. And I think that was like kind of digging deep inside myself to know that, okay, we're down, but we know we have to get back up because we have to continue doing the work that we love. Mm. So I would say that if you fall down, don't worry. If, if you're failing, it means that you're doing something right because you're actually trying. You're actually putting mm. yourself out there to make it happen. So I would say don't listen to people that don't tell you that tell you not to do certain things. Um, I would say if you you are going to get knocked down a bunch of times because we are women and there are times that we are overlooked, especially women of color. So I would say get used to failing, but that failing is going to come with a lesson every single time. And it's going to make you stronger and better for the next time. I would also say bring people up with you during this process. So I'm really big about um, uplifting the people around me when I'm doing certain things. So whether it's voting or it's whether it's inviting them to be part of my campaign or the process, make sure that you're bringing people up with you, with you people that look like you or um, went to school with you or in your community, because that builds like your purpose, like that builds like, what you're supposed to do and carrying people along with you and inviting them and uplifting them during that process makes you a, a better leader and a stronger leader and a more compassionate one too. And it helps you lead incredibly in the future also because you know how to inspire people. And I think that's the biggest part of being a leader in any field is being is knowing how to inspire people to be their best self. So I would say the the uplifting people, not listening to the naysayers, um, knowing that there will be failures, but they are worth the lessons learned during that process. And I would also say just believe in yourself. Um, it's very, there's a lot of challenges during this road. And I would say that knowing, having that self-confidence and that self like worth inside knowing that you can do it is probably the best motivator. And the one thing that's going to keep you um, standing and motivated when things are I love all of that. And you said, you said like a quote that like stuck in my head 
um, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was like something about if you're failing, the best thing you can do is like fail because then you know you're trying or something. Oh, it's, um, it's so true. And it, it, it's heartbreaking. Just it's I'm not saying that failing is fun. It's horrible. It, mm-hmm. it feels like like you just went through a breakup. <laughs> you know my campaign fell. I felt like I was going through a breakup because it was like I loved something so much and I yeah. put my whole heart into it. And then it ended up shattering before me. So mm-hmm. failure is not fun. It's not easy. But the I don't know, the sun on the other side, it, it's so, so worth it. And you learn so much from it. So that's why I'd say if you're failing, yes, you're doing something right. <laughs> there you go. That's what it was. If you're failing, you're doing something right. I love it. Um, but I want to thank you so much for coming on this episode. I thought it was great. I hope the audience got some good information on, you know, not even if they just don't even want to go into the public service like area, but just any specific position in your job you want to go or career that you're looking into, like great advice for all of it. Um but yes, we will put, if there's any information you want to share, uh, we can put it in the description if you guys need to find her or anything. Um, but thank you for coming on. I had a great episode with you. <laughs> I had such a, a wonderful time conversating with you and being able to share things that I've really never shared before. So this is the first time I've been on a public platform since the election. So it's been a, a very eye-opening process for me and I'm able to share with you my experiences after losing. So that's, it's been a good um, like closure for me too in this. And I'm really grateful I was able to share this with you, Amanda, and be able to tell my story at this time. So thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Um, well, thanks everyone for listening and we will catch you on next week's episode. Yay.